literature is art, so we should read because it is a uniquely human thing to do. Mm. Uh, it's part of what it means to be human is to read. Explore widely and mm. be open, right? Don't go into something thinking that, oh, I'm probably not going to like this or I'm probably going to like this or this will probably be interesting or this will probably be boring. Going in with presumptions mm effectively closes that question asking, right? If you, if you go in with a preset idea, you're already targeting your attention in a certain way. But mm -hmm. if you leave your mind open, you say, I'm not really sure what this is going to be like. Let me take a look at it and see. That's where those avenues of inquiry will open up more. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Zhao. And today I am very fortunate to be joined with tenured English teacher who used to teach at UNC Chapel Hill with his doctorate of comparative literature. He's also the head of Catholic Student Association and father of two, Dr. Clark. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Do you want to jump straight into it? Yeah, please. Let's go. So the first question, as always, what is your why? My why... My reason is wanting to leave the world a better place than I found it. Mm. Um, and that can be at a very superficial level, is just leaving the physical environment that I'm in mm -hmm. better than where I found it. Mm -hmm. uh, something as simple as like picking up trash off of the sidewalk mm -hmm. or planting flowers or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at like a, a deeper, more meaningful level, mm -hmm. there's helping people as a teacher, especially mm -hmm. students, mm -hmm. understand themselves, the literature they're reading and the world around them better mm. so that they're able to do better good in the world as a result. Mm. So you want to use, so you want to become a teacher to, so that you can, help students to become better versions so that they can leave the world better places that sort of why you got into teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so there's the English teacher specifically because okay. I, I love reading. Right. <laughs> okay. um, and so wanting to impart some of that love of reading and understanding of literature to students, mm -hmm. but through that process, helping them to better understand themselves, their humanity, mm -hmm. um, their place in the world, so that they can be better versions of themselves too. Interesting. So what are some values that you strive to teach your students? Uh, critical inquiry. Mm -hmm. um, so question asking, not taking things for granted or stopping just at a superficial level of mm -hmm. understanding, but diving deeper into things, mm -hmm. asking effective questions mm -hmm. um, as a way to drive their own curiosity mm -hmm. to in a genuine curiosity. Mm -hmm. uh, empathy is another huge one in reading about literature from different cultural backgrounds and characters that are different from what my own students are mm -hmm. um, to help them better see other facets of the world. Mm -hmm. um, one other value that I want my students to learn, mm -hmm. I think is creativity, right? Creativity. Right, yeah. So to 
not just receive and be a, a receptive learner to mm-hmm. to passive learner in reading, but then to go out and produce in their own words mm. some creative interaction. Mm-hmm. So starting off on critical inquiry, how important is it to have critical thinking in, in our modern society? Or how, how would you say critical thinking would help us? I think that's key. So mm-hmm. you were in my rhetoric class, yeah. for instance. Yeah. It's like all language is meant to communicate something from the speaker or writer to the audience that's listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes the speaker will have a purpose, an agenda, mm-hmm. something that they want to achieve through communicating to the audience. Mm-hmm. And it's the job of the audience not just to accept what somebody is saying to them, to truly think through the why, why am I being told this? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important uh, generally. Mm-hmm. It's important when reading literature, mm-hmm. but it's also important, you know, especially in a political context today. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that you have politicians who are saying things to their constituents. Mm-hmm. It's like, do they really mean what they're saying, or it's like, am I just going to accept what they're saying, or am I going to be really critical and think about what they're saying, question mm-hmm. what they're saying? Definitely. Um, and that's how we, I think, have progress and not just acceptance of the status quo. Not just be yeah. sheeps, but also just be um, creative thinkers. Yeah. So we, we are individuals that yeah. we we would we can make decisions for ourselves. That's right, so and active participants in that active process. Active participants. Yeah. So w- on that question, what do you think are ways that people can develop critical thinking? Reading. Mm. Asking questions. Mm-hmm. Coming up with answers mm-hmm. and asking more questions. I think. I think. <laughs> I think. I think it's it's a case of practice makes perfect, right? Practice when makes when perfect. you start asking questions of things, oftentimes you know they're really going to be simplistic questions, uh, yes, no style, closed ended questions, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that with greater practice you're able to ask more sophisticated, deeper, open-ended questions. Interesting. So (laughs) on that, uh, a good question to follow up that question is how to ask a good question. I think that's, that's a, that's an important skill Mm -hmm. that um, everyone needs in, in, in definitely in critical thinking aspect, but also just in general, how do we, how do we formulate a good question? How do we challenge ideas? Mm -hmm. The the two interrogatives that I most like to begin with are mm-hmm. how and why, because those mm-hmm. get into the really deeper meaning uh, underlying something. If you ask yes, no question, that's fairly closed ended. And even if you ask like what, when, where, who, those can be good starter questions, but oftentimes that leads to, you know, some concrete piece of information. It's the how and the why type of questions that really get below the surface into the deeper meaning. Mm, interesting yeah that's sort of I, I love how you brought that up because that's my intention of uh starting with why asking you the, the why at, at the first <laughs> first first sentence because that is sort of already immediately skips past the um the superficial level as you mentioned because i think that's really important um in 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 the modern context or or just in general to to dive deeper to think deeper um because um a lot of informations are just you know informations they they aren't really yours or or you don't really learn them 
if you don't like really understand the deeper meaning behind mm-hmm. it, like you were saying about um, critical inquiry, right? And I think asking these questions also c- connects to curiosity, which mm-hmm. is something you really um, value. So um, how, how important is curiosity? It's, it's immensely important. And mm-hmm. I think that this should be the foundation of the question asking. It's not just asking questions because you're told to. Mm. or asking questions because you think you're supposed to, Mm. but asking questions out of a place of genuine curiosity. I think, again, practicing by asking questions is how you develop further curiosity about a subject. Mm -hmm. Um, But also go with where your interest is in the first place. Don't come up with a question just because you think it's a good question, like a quote-unquote good question. Yeah, like asking questions for the sake of asking questions. But think it's like, what's really of interest to you? What do you want to learn more about, right? And start from there, and that's the direction that will really make for effective and interesting inquiry. Interesting. So <clears throat> I think what goes along with it is uh, is this, because to, to find out what we're curious about, it, it, there's also that sort of self-search process too. So what are your suggestions to people to find what they're really curious about and uh, find, find out? Explore widely and mm-hmm. be open, right? Don't go into something thinking that, oh, I'm probably not going to like this, or I'm probably going to like this, or this will probably be interesting, or this will probably be boring. Going in with presumptions mm. effectively closes that question asking, right? If you, if you go in with a preset idea, you're already targeting your attention in a certain way. But Mm -hmm. if you leave your mind open, you say, I'm not really sure what this is going to be like. Let me take a look at it and see. That's where those avenues of inquiry will open up more. I love that. And and I one thing that I really connect with it is also with people too. A lot of times we may have presumptions of other people and um, like stereotypes or also um, assumptions of other people. But then if we're open-minded, we would see that a lot of, a lot of people aren't just who they appear mm-hmm. they are. And, um, that's, 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 that's something that I've been really striving. And that's sort of something I was trying to, trying to say with my message, mm-hmm. um, to the MOMA science too, is, is also to, to sort of get, get past the layer of, of the presumption also get into, um, yeah, get past like this, superficially and get deep really know know yourself and surround yourself with like exactly get past that superficial level to that deeper level yeah and that's i think that's really essential and that comes with a critical inquiry and let's move on to the third point on um empathy Mm -hmm. so how does one develop empathy there is a great book that unfortunately i can't remember the title of now i think (laughs) it uh War for Kindness, maybe. Mm. Um, the, the faculty actually read over the summer this past year that mm. presented empathy as a skill that everyone can develop rather than mm. an inherent quality where some people are more or less empathetic than others. And it was an idea that I was very attracted to because I have the same approach to writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of times students come and say, oh, I'm a really good writer or I'm a really bad writer. And there's mm-hmm. this closed mindset to it that what I, it's like there's just an inherent quality mm-hmm. that I'm either good or bad and that's never going to change. That's good. Um, with writing, mm-hmm. I like to approach it as a skill 
that, yes, you'll have some people who are naturally more talented writers and some people who are naturally less talented writers, but everyone can practice and develop those skills further to become better writers. Uh, in the same way with any other talent, right? You'll have some people who are naturally better singers than others, but everybody can practice in order to become a better singer. Mm. And this book's argument is that empathy is the same thing, where there are going to be some people who are naturally more empathetic than others and other people who are naturally less empathetic than others. But everyone can work on developing those skills of empathy in order to become more empathetic versions of themselves. Interesting. So how do we do that? <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's a hard, that's, it's the, a, that's, a that's the topic of the book. Question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, part of it is talking with people, um, okay. communicating with people widely, right? Not just the same group of people that you're used to, um, not your, the, the tribe is the term, so the people that you identify with the most, um, but people that are different from you, that come from different backgrounds. Um, but communication isn't enough there in order to bridge that empathetic gap. There's the listening piece is really important. So it's not just communicating you talking, but communicating you listening to other people in order to get different perspectives of the world. Mm. So, so listening is one essential aspect towards empathy. Yeah. Um, what are other, other aspects or is that like the main, main thing? L listening is a big one. Um, and listening with a goal of understanding, understanding and questioning, right? So it's not just seeing the identification between your own experience and somebody else's experience, but mm. also questioning how your own experience is different from their experience. Mm. Interesting. That brings the question far back. Yeah, it in. does. Yeah. What is true empathy in your, in your perspective, in your definition? True empathy is tough. <laughs> um, I don't think that true empathy in the sense of like perfect understanding of another person is possible, right? Because everyone is their own individual. Everyone has their own individual personalities. Everyone has their own individual backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea of like true empathy, perfectly understanding someone else, I don't think that that's possible. Uh, because everyone's unique. Mm -hmm. But I do think that empathy in the sense of trying to better understand others mm -hmm. and to understand your experiences and how my own experiences have some connections to them, that I think is possible. So I, I think that's the goal with empathy mm -hmm. is to better understand who you are by listening to your experiences and to try and figure out how my own experiences relate to, relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's different than sympathy. Mm -hmm. And because because uh, I, I think we talked about this in one of our classes. What do you what is the main difference between empathy and sympathy? So sympathy is feeling something for somebody else. Mm. And empathy is feeling something with somebody else. Right. So sympathy is like, you just went through a trauma, I feel bad for you. Mm -hmm. But I don't really understand that feeling, and mm -hmm. I don't really try to understand that feeling. Yeah. Uh, empathy would be, you went through a trauma, let me try to better understand what it is that you're feeling and help you by relating it to something that I personally have felt too. 
Interesting. Uh, yeah, because like sympathy is sort of, um, I think there was a picture that was really great. I remember this. Sympathy is like a person standing outside watching through the window, mm-hmm. um, sort of seeing what's going on and having feelings for it, but not not really doing anything, just standing outside the window. And empathy is when a person is sitting right next to another person, you know, holding holding them or something, and, and trying to trying to un- feel them. Um, I think emotions, uh, feeling another another's emotions. I think that's one of the biggest parts towards empathy. Exactly, and it's a much closer connection. Do you think the the um the EM the M empathy and emotions is it connected? I I, I don't know about um specific like Greek roots and all that. No, so M is uh, into mm. and emotion. I'm not sure what the root of emotion is though. Mm. But em- the M in empathy is into. Mm. Perhaps it could be connected. Could be emotions into your heart. Perhaps I, I don't know. I think that's 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 uh, the interesting thing about um, literature, and and, and um, I've only recently started to develop passion. But I think that's really cool because once you start to develop your cur- curiosity and passion, <laughs> I think any subject could become fun. Absolutely, you know? it's and it's it's a transferable thing. It's right? transferable, yeah. and and. And it really comes down to prejudgments mm-hmm. because if we if we have prejudgments on a subject, we wouldn't really find like sometimes even though if we do find passion, we would convince ourselves to not find passion mm-hmm. in some sense with the prejudgments mm-hmm. and all that. Because I, I I did notice that sometimes before, like for example in um, biology, because I never because I had a horrible bio teacher in my um, in my middle school years, I just prejudged myself to never find passion in biology. Mm-hmm. But then this year, even though I, I I certainly did find certain aspects of biology interesting, I just convinced myself to not. I don't know, but like I only started develop, but then I start developing the passion again. Yeah, and and, and, and that's that's something to to work on to develop, right? Um, not to rely on what our past experiences mm-hmm. are, just to dictate how it is that we're going to move forward in a yeah. particular field, but to keep the curiosity alive, right? To keep an open mindset to things. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I actually had a similar experience uh, when I was in the tenth grade. Mm-hmm. I hated literature. Actually, really? yeah, I did. Um, my that's a joke. Yeah, my English teacher. Yeah, <laughs> my my English teacher um, had a very closed mindset to interpreting literature. There was one way to read a book, and if you didn't read it in that way, then your interpretation was wrong. I was like, this makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm not I'm not a fan of literature. I'm going to go off into science or math or something and never <laughs> touch literature again. Um, and then in 11th and 12th grade, my English teacher, uh, I had the same one both years, sort of opened up my perspective to literature. And so because I kept that open mindset going in there, not thinking, oh, this is going to be just as terrible as mm-hmm. it was before, I was able to engage and appreciate literature more and eventually become an English teacher <laughs> because of my 11th and 12th grade teacher. Is, um, so you swapped a teacher? No, no, so was so, the same so teacher? I, I was, yeah, it was a different teacher in oh, 10th grade and 11th and 12th grade, yeah. Oh, and a different teacher sort of... Uh, Brought a new lens towards literature. Exactly. That, that brought yeah. your curi- curiosity into literature. Um, last thing on the value part, and we'll sort of jump back into English, but um, creativity. Mm-hmm. You mentioned creativity is something that is really important. How do we sort of transform what we know or, or our curiosity and turn that into something productive? And um, 
have the creativity aspect involved with it. I think it comes back to exploration again. Mm -hmm. um, to be creative is to work with models and then play with those models. Mm -hmm. uh, so people who read widely tend to be more able to be creative in mm -hmm. a, a wide range of ways because they've had exposure Mm -hmm. to a wide range of models. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's, that's the piece. Creativity doesn't mean coming up with something entirely from scratch. You can build off of what has come before mm -hmm. and play with it a little bit mm -hmm. imaginatively in order to create something new. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to create it from scratch. You can build off of things. Yeah, and that's... I, I could sort of build this connection with music. Um, um, there was this... I think Ed Sheeran did this um, show or something, and he said, "You give me any song, and I can play with four chords." And then he did, and then that sort of that was sort of interesting for me to see because I, I recognize how a lot of songs are actually very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, the the structure is similar. The sort of the background chords are similar. The the music structure is sort of similar. The bass mm -hmm. is similar, but then based off of the the bass. Um, they sort of have their creativity on top of it, mm -hmm. um, and to have different songs and different innovations. I think I think that really makes it easier, um, because you don't have to like come up with every single note by yourself. You can have like a pattern that you abide mm -hmm. by, and then, but then you just sort of mess around with it. Yeah, it's it's like a layering effect, right? So yeah. if you have a basic pattern that mm -hmm. you're building off of, mm -hmm. then that allows you to play more with the piece above that, the creative element. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, definitely. And would you say that's for English too? Or how would you co 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 uh, relate that? With yeah, that? yeah. So like if you were to do creative writing, mm -hmm. I might ask you to write in a particular genre, um, mm -hmm. like memoir for instance, but have you read memoirs in order to better understand that genre before yeah. producing your own work in that piece? Mm -hmm. uh, or oftentimes with creative writing, you'll respond to a particular prompt. Mm -hmm. uh, so not just come up with an idea, write, write me a story, right? But responding to a particular prompt in some way mm -hmm. um, to give you direction uh, and then building on that. Mm. Interesting. And uh, I think it's uh, this is the perfect timing to jump back into into English. So, what is so fascinating about literature for you? Mm -hmm. To me, literature is an art form. It's a written art form, uh, and like any art, it has intrinsic human value because only humans produce art. Mm -hmm. As a result, all art, I feel, should be appreciated, studied in order to be better understood because it is uniquely human. Uh, and so that's what I do as an English teacher is to try and help students to better understand literature so that they can better appreciate literature. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So literature as an art, I don't think I've... That before. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so it's that uh, pretty cool. Liter it's like it's music, uh, painting, visual arts, right? Literature is a written art form. 
uh, and we think of like poetry, especially yeah, as poetry, being, right? Yeah, yeah. But but to me, it's all literature is art. It's just some of it is in verse, in poetry form, um, but others is in prose. But a novel is still artistic. Do you think nonfiction can also be an art by itself? Yeah, I think art is in the eye of the beholder. I love that phrase. Um, so if someone sees nonfiction as being artistic, that makes it art. What's the quote again, sorry? Art is in the eye of the beholder. Art is in the eye of the beholder. So it's whoever is looking at it. If they consider it to be art, then it is art. Mm, that's and so like one. a carpenter who works very hard on constructing a chair, other people might view it as just a piece of furniture, as something that has a use to it. But if the carpenter views that chair as an artwork, then it becomes art. It could be. It could be. Uh, you see a lot of furnitures that are decorated very nicely and and in special mm -hmm. patterns. Mm -hmm. I think everything could be an art. Talking could be an art. Too. Talking could be an art. Yeah, yeah. It, because it's in the eye of the beholder, anything could be an art as long as someone perceives it to be art. Interesting. So, um, what is uh, so speaking of the art of literature? What is so special about literature in gen uh, in for you compared to other forms of art it calls to me in a certain way i think that the the way it's it uses words in order to convey meaning to its audience mm. uh so the the words represent ideas but they also are separated from those ideas in the same way that like a, a, a painting, right, might represent something at a deeper level. And to me, it was just the, the words of it called out to me, painted images in my mind in a way that were so vivid and detailed uh, in a way that I really never connected with another art form in the same way. Mm. And I, I like other art, just like I, I sing. My wife and I, we <laughs> met singing. Oh, um, yeah, but, uh, but literature, it called to me in a different way. So, like the the descriptions, the vocabularies, and the the art of sort of putting putting different descriptions together. Mm -hmm. um, how so? So on that point, how can one so as a student develop that quality to to be more descriptive and be more um, creative with our literature? Because I think that's one thing that I struggle with a lot. Um, you know, when I was writing my college essay, uh -huh. my parents or like my counselors or people I show to they always say that oh you're writing so bland it's it's not colorful enough and that's something that I struggle with a lot so how can we develop the skill to to paint with our writing yeah if, if that, if that uh, makes sense. it's practice but there are specific steps that you can take right um the goal there being to put the image that's in your main uh, mind to convey that through your words clearly so that a similar image enters into the mind of your reader. Mm. Uh, what I would typically recommend is to not just limit yourself to visual descriptions. I think that's a lot of the times what we think through, um, right? When you picture something, even that word picture, right, is visual, right? Mm. But really, any of the external senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, you can convey an impression in any of those ways. Mm -hmm. And so to think through, all right, this, this idea that I have, how would I describe 
what this looks like? How would I describe what this sounds like? And to start off with that and then see which one of those senses has the most specific meaning to you as the author and expand upon it. Just keep going. And then once you have all of that information down, pick out which you think would be clearest to your intended reader. Hmm. So do you suggest writers to, to, to write different, you know, many descriptions uh-huh. and then delete later on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you've got to explore the range of options first. And once you've explored the range of options, you can narrow down to what the most effective ones are going to be. Interesting. That's That's not like a conventional way of writing that that i that i was taught or that i was um used to with with me i mean with you this year we did a lot of free writing um and i think free writing was very interesting a very interesting approach to um to 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 getting better at writing because free writing at the start it might be very intimidating we don't we don't have anything we're just writing on a blank piece of Mm -hmm. paper but then i think so at the start of school year you know you can tell from even when we shared our free rides it was very vague it was um a lot a lot of writings are just you know confusion and but then as we developed this sort of skill later on the year we can see how free rides became more interesting and became yeah. more creative. And the free writing in particular is designed to get over the fear of that blank page, right? It can be hard to decide what it is that is the first thing that you're going to write. But if you are forced to put words down and keep putting them down in a free writing style, uh, it doesn't really matter what you're writing down. It's still making text on the page, and then the fear of that blank page is no longer there because you have words down. So it's easier to build on something that you've already started. Connecting to that thing, we can really connect to um, writer's block because that's a really common thing that as writers we we encounter a lot. So apart from um, sort of just keep writing and everything, what are some other suggestions you have for people to to overcome writer's block? Uh, don't delete things. I think that's another key one there. Really? Um, yeah, so this is something that I personally have had a lot of trouble with is like trying to get the perfect phrasing of a sentence, for instance, mm-hmm. right? And I'll write it down one way. I was like, no, I don't like that. I'll delete it. And then I'll write it down another way. I was like, no, I don't like that. I'll delete it. And so keep on going back and forth and back and forth over the same sentence. Whereas if I had just left that sentence five different ways, I could then decide what I like best about each one of those versions in order to pick it. Uh, Mm. So there's the deleting aspect is problematic Mm -hmm. because then you don't make any forward progress. But if Mm. you write it five different ways and keep something five different ways, then you all of a sudden you have a lot of text to work with and to choose from. Mm. So you would say, even though if it's on the same sentence, we should just write, write out and just, keep going with with five different ideas of how we could approach it. Yeah, exactly. Same, same sentence same expressed five different ways and just keep all of them and then <laughs> afterwards choose which one to focus on. And then highlight it and then delete it after. That's that's very interesting. I've I've never heard of that technique too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can probably incorporate this with, with my writing skills too. Um, and you, yes, you did say writing is a skill when we're talking about empathy. Right. And it's something that definitely can be developed. Um, what are some ways to get better at writing? Because 
um, I think first you definitely say practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Practice is absolutely essential. What are some other ways that we can improve our writing? Reading widely is a great, as the, as I said, the, um, having a wide range of models to build off of, right? So writing just doesn't come out of nowhere. You build writing based off of reading that you've done previously. And so reading widely is a great first step in improving your own writing. Um, I think reflection is another really important piece there. Everyone is skilled at certain aspects at writing and might struggle with other aspects of writing. And through reflection, you can identify as like, oh, I'm doing this really well. And to build your confidence a little up with that one aspect. It's like, oh, but this other thing that I uh, am doing, I'm really struggling with. And so that's something to concentrate on. It's like, what are some specific strategies, approaches that I could do to help with this one aspect of writing that I'm struggling with? When you talk about aspects of writing, what do you mean specifically? It could be different things. So maybe... um, one aspect could be having a clear personal voice, right? Mm. Uh, that sometimes this is something that I struggle with. Uh, <laughs> when, when I write emails, they yeah. sometimes sound very robotic <laughs> or formulaic, uh, even if I spent a long time working on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know that that's something that I personally work on and I'm particularly attentive to. So I might draft an email initially and then say, okay, Let's assume that this sounds robotic to my reader. How can I incorporate more of my personal voice? So that's a specific step that I take whenever I write an email now, Mm -hmm. is that after I write the first one, go back, try to add some more of me to the email so it doesn't sound like uh, a robot's writing on the other end. That's 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 an interesting approach to to look at your own writing and also modify it. Yeah. What do what do you do with it? Do you take your writing and then you um, rewrite it afterwards, over and over with with the intention of focusing on how do I add more personal um, voice into it? Writing in passes, I think, is a useful one. So writing in one pass for clarity. Um, writing one pass for um, like organization. Does the do the ideas flow? Is there a logical progression to them? Mm-hmm. And then writing in one pass for voice. Uh, and so not like erasing and completely revising it each time, but to change certain aspects of the writing each time through. What do you mean by pass? Pat, pat, so so I write the oh, whole path. thing. Pat, passes. 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 So on a first pass through of oh, writing, I okay. write it concentrating. And it's like, okay, am I expressing my ideas clearly? Mm-hmm. And then a second pass through, I'd go through and concentrate, okay, does the flow of ideas work here? Am I making any logical leaps that I need to fill in information with? And then a third pass, I might concentrate on my voice. Does it sound like a human being is writing this instead of a robot? Which is particularly problematic now with like ChatGPT coming out. <laughs> that it's like there are actual robots writing yeah. writing at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, with uh, we can definitely talk about ChatGPT later. But I really want to point this point out of passing passes. Um, I think that's a great way to rev- for revision because a lot of times I think. We, we aren't really taught how to revise, even though we're stressed importance to revise. We're taught how to specifically, um, intentionally revise. Mm-hmm. 
I think that could be really important is to is with each revision we're going with a different set of intention yes exactly and and, you know if you try to hold all of that in your head at once what happens is you don't do any of those revision steps as well as if you were able to concentrate on each one individually in a unique pass Mm -hmm. and then uh you know focus and and achieve more at the end interesting I love how you phrase it, um, to focus on each aspect mm-hmm. and achieve more at the end. Um, so coming mm-hmm. on to the point of ChatGP, since you since you brought it up, yeah. I think that's a really big deal. Um, what is your view on ChatGPT? Yeah, so um, I think it has its uses. It's very interesting. Actually, I brought in a couple of ChatGPT essays to my class this semester, and we critiqued them together. Um, interesting. What it does, right, is to take a large corpus of writing and identify what the conventions of that writing are in order to replicate them, which is really what we ask students to do a lot ourselves. It's like you you look at models. It's like, what is the model doing? Can you imitate this model? Um, But it lacks humanity, to it. it. It lacks a really personal touch. It's very formulaic, I think is how I would describe the chat GPT writing. Uh, it's like, I'm going to fill in this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece because that is what the models that I found do. So it does all of those moves quite well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's almost like filling out a worksheet and then putting yeah. all the pieces together into an essay. And so I, my students and I, we looked at uh, a mock essay uh, from ChatGPT mm-hmm. on the same topic that they were writing about. And one of my students reflected, just like, you know, if I read this essay from ChatGPT, I would think that this was a really boring book. But having read it now and having had our class discussions, I can see what's interesting about it. It's like, good, that's what you should try and focus on in your writing. It's like, if it's interesting to you, try to convey that interest to your reader some way. And that ChatGPT can't really do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and with ChatGPT, you know, a lot of people may um, choose the easier path to use ChatGPT to um, to cover up their, a lot of their works to do do the lazy task. Um, why do you why do you think that in the future we we it's still very important for us to have the skill of writing or have the skill of being descriptive and and spending extra time even just to convey a few points but 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 actually like have the skill of um our, it, the weaponry that ars- in, in our arsenal writing i think that um as i said before critical inquiry is one a really important value for humanity and if mm-hmm. we just have computer programs write for us that we're not really questioning and thinking about the topics ourselves right mm-hmm. uh, and there's a danger in there of not thinking critically about things mm-hmm. um, but in addition to going back to the point of literature as art I'm not sure that you could call something that chat GPT produces art if, if my definition of art is something that a mm-hmm. human has produced yeah that another human perceives to be art that chat GPT can't be involved in that process definitely I think that's very crucial um, I think that's one of the biggest distinctions of humans and robots is this artistic aspect 
I, and I think this is really important to because creativity is what sort of separates us from computers because, you know, he, computers can do calculations. Computers can do um, those can, computers can re recall a specific date in history. Computers can remember all the facts, but they can't really think critically. They can't really be creative mm -hmm. yeah and they can the, they can replicate they, they can, can replicate. imitate but to create something new i think we can say that only humans can do that yeah or maybe only as of yet yeah. <laughs> you would say maybe in the few in a few years ai and artificial intelligence gets that good i don't know <laughs> it's, it's scary to think that aspects but that that, that would be a di completely different topic and completely different podcast yeah. um on this final point, but one of the, perhaps one of the biggest points, reading. Why, why should we read, and what is this? What is the beauty of reading? Another big why question it's for a big you. Big why question. <laughs> uh, like I said, literature is art, so we should read because it is a uniquely human thing to do. Mm. Uh, it's part of what it means to be human is to read. That being said, I don't think that you need to read everything. We're not going to, like, no person would have time to read everything. Uh, and so with that genuine curiosity, be open to different genres, be open to things that you might not think are of interest to you. Uh, don't be closed-minded in that way to say, oh, I'm probably not going to enjoy this, so I'm not even going to start. Um, but also to pursue the things that are genuinely interesting to you mm. and not to be afraid to stop reading something if you don't enjoy it. Uh, that, that was a hurdle that I had to get over. Uh, I Maybe in my 20s, whenever I started a book, it's like, oh, I'm halfway through this and I'm really not enjoying it, but I should finish it, right? Because I'm halfway through it. Like, just put it aside and don't worry about it because there's other books out there that you would enjoy reading. So concentrate on the things that bring you joy. Interesting. Um, and uh, I think a big point follow, following your point on reading what's what you're interested in I think a lot of people don't or don't read nowadays or don't find time to read nowadays. I don't I really don't believe this concept of you can't find time because there's always time. But I think a lot of people just choose not to read because it's um, the perception towards it is it's long, it's boring. And if I can get information really quick, um, say on the Internet or say through a video, why would I want to spend, you know, hours and days to just grind through a book you know what do you think the difference between reading and and uh, modern videos or just quick information is i think videos have more visual appeal right um that it's not that it's both words right you're listening to something being said and it's visually appealing. Mm -hmm. uh, you can watch something happening. And so it engages with you in different ways. Um, reading, I think it can paint those things in your head, right? It can, it can have a visual element. It can have a sound element. But you have to imagine it, right? Mm -hmm. um, which requires a little bit more work on the part of the reader than on someone who's watching the video yeah, definitely. um 
But in response to your earlier point of not having time to read, that it, it is more time consuming, say, if you were trying to do a 500 page novel or something. Yeah. But there's also very short pieces of writing out there. I think some of my favorite writing is short stories. And you can do that if you read only a page a day, you'll be done with that short story in like two weeks. <laughs> um, and certainly, it's like you can probably block out enough time to get through half of a short story at a single setting, too. Yeah. Uh, so, not everything has to be the 500-page novel. There's literature out there that you can fit into a smaller time period to take a look at, too. And how do we develop the passion for reading? Because uh, since you mentioned it's a really good good thing, and it's uh, like you mentioned about writing, it helps writing, helps creativity, helps curiosity, helps create critical thinking. How do we develop a consistent passion towards reading? I think that's part of my goal as being an English teacher is to help students to develop that passion. Uh, that in the same way that a teacher can really turn you off to a subject, like my 10th grade English teacher, <laughs> other teachers can really help you to engage with a subject. And so one of my goals in teaching is not just to help students to better understand the literature that we're taking a look at in class, mm -hmm. but also to enjoy that process of reading, too, to help them pick out, it's like, what did you find interesting about this? Let's talk about this further. Let's dive deeper into that. Um, and by concentrating more on what they enjoyed about reading than on what they didn't enjoy about reading, I'm hoping that builds their passion for reading a little bit, too. Mm. So do you think this passion is very specific to the person? Yeah, no, di different people will be passionate about different mm -hmm. topics within a book. Different people will be passionate about different books than others. Mm -hmm. um, but to try as much as possible to engage with that passion in class so that they feel more engaged with the book itself. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll adding directly on to your point about even within the same book, people can find different passions. Remember when you asked us to find quotes um, just from the same chapter, even if it's from the same chapter, a lot of us still found different quotes. Different quotes, yeah. And even though it's like only 15 pages, everyone had a different interpretation towards it. And I think that really just shows how unique and different we are um, as as each individuals. Um, and that really comes down to 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 to, to reading too. Uh, we each person has a different taste and and um, different passion in, in, in the different aspects. And I really appreciate your time today. We've Absolutely. we've covered a lot from starting from teaching to to reading to writing. But I I sort of want to come back um, to 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 where we started to back to your why of leaving the world a better place than you found it. What do you envision to, to keep doing as a teacher to, to continue on what do you have done? Um, or, or not only as a teacher, but just as a person in general, as a father, as a, um, what do you envision to keep, keep moving forward with your why? So this is, I, I would guess, my aspirational goal with mm -hmm. teaching is to leave an impact on my students so that they're better able to go out into the world to do good work. And in that way, I think teachers have a very exponential effect on the world, that if you 
help your students to be better versions of themselves, then they'll go out into the world and they'll do better work in the world too. Mm. Uh, and so that, I guess that would be my, my goal there is to help my students to be better versions of themselves so that they're able to go out into the world and contribute more to improving the world. Uh, and I think that's, that's a piece of the, um, the mission here at NMH, mm. right? That um, uh, living lives of purpose and humanity mm-hmm. in order to then bring that further out beyond the confines of our campus and into the rest of the world. Mm. So um, developing the humanity, developing the understanding and the, the, the developing the qualities, the values um, in students and so that students would use that ability and knowledge to, to incorporate and, and help help other people. That's right. That would be a positive cycle. Yeah, the, the, all of it, the critical inquiry, the creativity, the genuine curiosity, things that aren't just going to be confined to the English classroom, but that they'll use and transfer with them throughout the rest of their lives. Yeah, in all aspects, too, not only in English classes. Yeah. And they, that, that's one of the most important lessons is that the things we learn in classes or in, in just one class shouldn't be limited to that one class. Every, like you said about reading earlier, everything is widely connected. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really important to use each skill to develop skills and, and to, to apply in all aspects. Love it, love it. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, if, th- if you can give um, a listener one advice, what would it be? Find the reading that interests you because it's out there. Mm. So that takes a lot of, like we said, curiosity. Curiosity, exploration. exploration. Uh, it might take time, but there's some reading out there for everyone. So everyone should develop the passion to read. Mm-hmm. Love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Clark. Um, it's. Did you have a good time here today? Yeah, you had a great time. Thanks so much for having yeah, me, Chan. I'm really excited to be able to talk with you. It, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, much better than I... Not much better than I thought. I mean, I, I knew it would be great, but I didn't expect us to dive so deep into so into aspects such we, as... We had a wide range of topics. We, yeah. we did have a wide range of topics, and... Uh, but 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 I think it was still very organized, and yeah. it was uh, it was great to have this talk with you, to 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 know more about not only writing but also with thinking and reading, and and everything. And I really appreciate awesome. this. Um, for listeners, thank you all so much for joining, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye bye. <laughs>